Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Um, you know, certainly, you know, I think everybody, you know, wants to you know feel appreciated and i felt much appreciated before this contract got done so um you know my family and i are you know more than happy and 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 grateful Um, but we but we did feel that way you know prior to i mean hunter said it this is a great basketball job i feel really fortunate to have given you know just to get the opportunity 24 months ago um so I, I guess the biggest thing is just, you know, we're appreciative. My wife's happy here. We're happy here. And we're just happy that, that, that Hunter believes in us moving forward. Welcome back to the Hog Talk podcast, episode number 184. We are live from the Heinemann Services studios. I'm your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside my right-hand man, Porter Hayes. As always, we are brought to you by betonline.ag. The NBA, NHL, and MLB are rolling, and BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, the best part, it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That is, of course, the man of the week, one of the richest men, richest coaches, richest men, however you want to put it, in college basketball now. Coach Eric Musselman got paid five years, $20 million, plus up to $800,000 in incentives. That will begin on April 1st. And Porter, just like Razorback Nation, I'm stoked that we locked down our guy. This is probably the first time that I can think of that all three of the the big three coaches that are there for the long term. We feel really good about all three of them. You're not really questioning a whole lot. I know Sam Pittman's still got a lot of work to, a lot of work to do and a lot of things to prove, but Nonetheless, one of the key things that he just said in there, he talked about how his wife, Danielle, loves it in Fayetteville. His family loves it in Fayetteville. And that's the first great sign that I think that he could be here for quite some time. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that you could just tell the whole press conference. I mean, it was, it was a long time coming. And I think, you know, Razorback fans as a whole can really just breathe a sigh of relief. And now hearing the story and just knowing that, Man, this was done a long time ago. They just needed to get the the cross their T's, dot their eyes on it. You know, they trusted each other. And one thing that real Eric really said that stuck out to me was, you know, Hunter let him get his roster set. Gave he was patient. And he let him get in the transfer portal, get his roster situated for next year, and then concentrate on this um this contract. And and on the other hand, that just shows that the the comfort and the trust the two have in each other that and it's it shows in the buyout after the first year how much it drastically drops. And Hunter addressed that in the presser. You know, that that's the trust that they have in each other that he's not going to bolt after one year. And I would I wouldn't see why he would. You know, he said this is a premier job. That's what every coach aspires to do. In, in the college game, get to a premier basketball job, and he's doing that again at Arkansas. And and another thing they said that really stuck out to me as well is they love it here. Danielle loves it here, his kids. He's got his son on staff. So I see Musselman being here for a while. I do too. And and you look at – I think Dan, or, um, Mariah, his daughter's around like 10, 11 years old, and she's getting to that age where she's really starting to develop friends. You know, she's 
getting close to those preteen years. And you got to think the more and more she's in Fayetteville, the more friends she's going to get, the more comfortable she's going to get here, the more comfortable Danielle is going to get here. And they are genuine people. You see, yes, they are really good, especially Mus with using his social media for recruiting to promote the program. But they are genuine in the fact that they really take the time. Not every single person, you can't do that, but they really take time to respond to fans, whether it be through letters, whether it be through a tweet. I mean, you think about the, uh, how uh, nice Danielle was to give us her time on the podcast this past summer. Michael, a couple of weeks later, uh, just a really overall good family who they may not be from here, none of them, but they have really adapted to what we are about in this state. And another thing that I'll say about Hunter Urechek there's so many reasons why he is successful. He knows so many different ends of what it takes to be an athletic director. But Porter, you said it right there at the very beginning, talking about Musk trying to get his team together and and Hunter giving him the time to do that. The reason why, or one of the main reasons why he has been so successful, Hunter, with all these coaching hires and why our program is now where it is, is because he lets these coaches do their jobs. He's not like Jeff Long saying that it's going to be this way or it's going to be that way. Okay, well, you want this. I don't want it this way, so that's not the way it's going to happen. I'm not saying that every coach is going to come into his office and they're going to get exactly what they want, but... He is giving them the tools to get the job done. And so long as these coaches do what they're supposed to do, they're going to be able to run their programs, whether it be basketball, football, gymnastics, track, I don't care what it is. Hunter Juracek has the recipe of what it takes to win, what it takes to be successful, and get your programs on the map. And we're seeing it, especially this spring. Yeah, and another thing is, you know, the success that all sports are having, and especially with the basketball and, and the football, you know, what Pittman's doing. When, when all these secondary coaches, you know, they need raises. Courtney Neifel, we've talked about her her deserving a, a contract extension, what she's done with the softball program. Coach Neighbors and what he's done with women's basketball. So now when Hunter goes to the board of trustees or goes to these donors, hey, I need X and out of dollars because we're trying to lock in this coach they see the success and the culture that is being built here in Arkansas. I think that blows me away more than anything. Just how the, the fraternity that these coaches have formed. You got Hunter Yurichek just going out to everywhere and supporting every sport he can, and all the coaches support each other. So when he does go to those donors, he was like, "Hey, we need this money." They're they're going to be willing to because you know he's laying a foundation, but yet you're seeing the results at the same time. Yeah, you're going to get it. So long as it brings success and people are winning, you can get and, – and you could probably say this about just any especially big Power 5 university or the majority of them, that if we need the money, we're going to find it. There is – Jerry, whether it's Jerry Jones, whether it's one of the Stevens, whether it's one of the Waltons, whoever it is, um, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot more that we could name there. You got Bison, you got J.B. Hunt. Yeah, yeah, just up there there's in your backyard. So much money in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, the amount of money up there is just insane. But, yeah, you got to believe – and uh, Ty Richardson, you know, our, our business partner at the Hit That Line Podcast Network, he's been talking about how on multiple shows over the last few months about how it's maybe, yeah, we're, we, we need to get Musselman paid. We need to get these coaches paid. But Hunter Yurichek is definitely going to be up there for a contract extension, probably at least by the end of this school year or sooner than later. You got to think that. And that was another thing that Ty asked in the press conference on uh, Wednesday night was talking about that. If he thought, if he asked Coach Musselman, if he believed that Hunter deserves a raise. And, yeah, he's probably going to say yes no matter what because it's his boss. But uh, just like he always does, give a great explanation of why he believes that. And Difel will certainly be getting that too no matter what, really just already with what she has done. And speaking of springtime, guys, it is the perfect time to get out and fish. The fine folks at Monster Bass have the best new baits from the industry's top brands at affordable prices delivered to your door each month. They handpick the best baits based on where you live and fish along with providing the top-level customer service. So head to MonsterBass.com and use code HOG10 to get $10 off your first box. That's MonsterBass.com, promo code HOG10, H-A-W-G-10. So just a couple more details about this contract, Porter. I know that by now, by the time this drops on a Friday morning, that we will have probably already known everything like the back of our hand. But, hey, this is an exciting time. This is the most excited we've been about our basketball program in quite some time. So that's why we're refocusing on it and just kind of breaking down a little bit more of the details of the contract. As I mentioned, it's going to be May 1st through this. So this May 1st coming up through April 30th, 2026, 
the $7.5 million buyout word that, as of right now, if he were to leave before the completion of the 21-22 season, and then it drops to $2 million for 23-24, $1 million for 24 and 25, and then seven k seven hundred fifty k in the final year of 2026. And so, and there's also a couple of uh, one-year incentives for 27 and 28 if they end up going that route. But I really like the way uh, that this was structured out. I think that that five years, twenty million is about exactly uh, what he would deserve. I was looking at the, uh, or maybe you know, like he, some some would say that I think there was a couple in there that actually said that he might get five. I didn't think that that was going to happen, but I told you guys I was looking at the rankings for the coaches and and NCAA and Fred Hoiberg. That guy's making four million dollars a year to get to go fourteenth in the conference the last two seasons, the two years he's been at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I, I think that. He's just still riding high from that success that he had, which really wasn't even that astounding at Iowa State. But, but yeah, I, I think this was a great jo- job by what they were able to get at the, in the time that they were able to get this done. Like you said, we did have to wait a little bit, but at least we got our the majority of our roster put together, gave time us to really dig into that transfer portal as he really likes to do. And I thought that that was awesome about how they put that stipulation in there that uh, if he stays through 24, he would not have to owe the buyout if he accepted the head coaching job at San Diego State, which is, of course, his alma mater. Um, But, you know, Porter, I'm really – I know that it's kind of a prisoner of the moment type comment, but I'm really with you, like, talking about – I know that you have said before that you could really see him here for the long term, and or I think think you had mentioned that, and – I, yeah. I thought that maybe, just maybe, we might be able to keep him for, you know, three to five more years, kind of depending on how things went. And then he might go back to California, whether it be for an NBA job or whatever. But I really, really am starting to believe. And again, maybe I am just a prisoner of the moment, but I really think that, especially if things continue to build on how they went last year, that he could retire here just to know what he could build. The the only way I would see something changing, and I'm and when I say this, I'm speaking three four years down the road. The, the only way I see him leaving before his contract up is if everybody else catches up to his style of play when using the transfer portal, and if everybody else starts having the success he does, and then his success drops. Like you know, sometimes you you look at the offenses in football and how it's flashed in the pan. And then everybody kind of catches up to it, and then you got to readjust. Now, if he keeps readjusting and, and and reinvents new ways to use the transfer portal, and keeps him bringing in top recruits where he doesn't really have to rely on that transfer portal, I see him staying. But that's that's the only way that I see something going awry, and, and where his success and the and the team and the program has a has a drop off is. That he sticks to his guns, and I'm just going to go transfer portal and keep a few of my core guys and keep rebuilding and reloading. That if that backfires on him, and then the winds start dropping, because we all know how this fan base is. You know, look when they were two and four in conference, and everybody was just you know with pitchforks and you know, in front of his house. You know, now he's the greatest coach to ever walk on Arkansas in some people's mind. Another thing that really excited me about Hunter and really showed his professionalism is like you mentioned prisoner a moment. He didn't just offer him the 5 million. He didn't offer him this huge amount. He sat there and, and when Hunter was talking the press conference, Musselman was there too. So they were, they were both there side by side. He said, this is where I believe he's at right now. You know, I believe that he's worth 4 million. So, you know, it all worked out. They put ink to paper, they made their nice social media videos. And that's another thing. You don't see a lot of programs using the social media. And he gave all full credit to the social media team. So mad props to you, social media team in Arkansas, because you're really changing the culture and the way kids are seeing college athletics. Are you one of the millions of Americans who suffers from anxiety, feelings of worry, or just dread beginning a new week? Sunday Scaries products are here to help you stay chill and mellow. Visit sundayscaries.com to check out the vitamin-boosted gummies, hemp oils, and much more. There is no risk to buy, and the company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee, meaning if the product is not for you, you'll get your money back. Again, it's sundayscaries.com, and use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 25% off. sundayscaries.com, promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. 
Yeah, and it just so happens that it works out well for him. We did an entire segment over that on Monday's show about with the way that the transfer portal is going. Some coaches love it. Some coaches hate it. But with an NBA-minded coach like Musk, with an NBA-minded staff, which I want to talk about that uh, with Corey Williams leaving. Uh, We'll get into that here in just a second. But with the kind of way that he wants to build his team, like a, I guess you could say the free agency way of college, that's essentially what the portal is, especially the grad transfer portal when each year they get, uh, they're, they're immediately eligible. I definitely think that that's the way uh, that, that he, he prefers it to be, and, and that's the way that he's going to build his teams, and I think that he'll continue to have success. But the thing about it is, is let's just say they dip back and even like only make it to the round of 32 next year, or maybe the Sweet 16. Sweet 16 is still a very successful season. Round of 32 is still a very successful season. But I think really depending on how next year goes is how this team will be judged on how they finish. And what I mean is, is if they go – because they're not going to win 12 in a row SEC games again. That just doesn't ever happen. At least they're not going to do it in back-to-back years. But let's just say they they get fourth. They get fourth in the SEC, and then they make it to the round of 32 and they lose. I think that there will still be a little bit of grief there. But let's say that they maybe struggle a little bit in the regular season. They're kind of the middle of the pack there. They get that 8-9 seed, that dreaded 8-9 or nine seed. I think getting to the round of 32, you're still just because of how far you went this year and now these fans, all these fans that it were not born or not even old enough like myself hardly to remember the last time that they had made the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, both of those. I think now that so many have tasted that, as as Nolan said, you got to continue to feed the beast. Yeah, and especially the era we live in with social media. You know, you keep on. It's what are you what are you going to do next? You know, they're not worried about like, well, you know, three years down the road, they're not going to be like, well, three years ago, he made it to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, and they haven't made it since. You, you need to set up your program, and we've talked about this before the season even started. You, you, where you want your basketball program to be from where they've been is you want to be consistently every year. You know you're a lock for the NCAA tournament. That's that's where you start. So from here for the next couple of years, that's that's what your not goal, but it would be a disappointment if you didn't make the NCAA tournament. So what you do from there, that determines the next level of success. If you make the tournament, you wouldn't at least get to try to get to the next weekend. But we all know how tough the tournament is. Say you make the Sweet 16 one out of three years. And you do that. So you make two Swix 16s in the next six years. I would still be, see that as a success. Some wouldn't, but we know how exactly hard it is to get to the second round, or not the second round, the second weekend of the tournament. And, and we've seen this year with teams like Colgate and, and ORU, how, how tough they were to fend off. And, and Colgate, they pulled ahead and won by a big margin. But, you know, ORU – took them to the wire. So you never know. And you don't know what, you know, each year's different with a roster. So you want to consistently make the NCAA tournament and, and then build off that. And then if you could get to a, a blue book where now you're expected to get to the sweet 16 every year, and then you make a final full run and Hey, it'd be awesome. Win a national championship. So that that's where they need to start. Just, just worry about making the tournament every year and then just, Take a run and see where you can go from there. And a key piece that really helped put this team together, at least in terms of this top five recruiting class that came in from 2020, Corey Williams, who took a position as an assistant coach on – who is it? Is it Mark Jones that's the uh, coach? Mark Adams, I'm sorry. Mark Adams, uh, his staff, the new coach at Texas Tech. That's a really big loss. You know, it was a really big loss when we lost Chris Crutchfield last year. You picked up David Patrick, who some would say would be an upgrade. I would. It, it's hard to really compare those two because they've both been proven such great recruiters. But either way, uh, you, you get a guy that you knew that had, had had head coaching experience, can recruit. Now you lose Corey Williams, such an incredible recruiter, a guy who also had a plenty of background in the NBA, also some more head coaching experience. I believe he was at Stetson. So now the question remains is, will Eric, will he go into – his uh, bag of connections, possibly from the NBA, maybe within the coaching ranks, or does he go with maybe an Anthony? I know that this was a, a big topic of conversation. Maybe go with Anthony Ruda, Pat Ackerman. I doubt that Michael Musselman would get it. He's still really young, not to say that he's not intelligent or anything. I just don't know that he gives it to him at this point. But you got to think, 
with what Anthony Ruda has done with his scheduling, I mean, I imagine he's pretty good with X's and O's, just being around Coach Musselman and these guys. I, I would think that even if we hire from within, it would still be a solid choice. Yeah, and the way Eric Musselman has a handle in this program, and, and not saying success five when I compare him to this person, but you you look at coaches like Nick Saban and how many you know the carousel of assistants that have come and gone, and he just sits there and plugs and plays. He has his own way of doing things, and I think that's how us Musselman is. But he did also say in the presser that you know he wants to get a guy that is good at the high school recruiting. You know, Eric Musselman has the transfer portal on lock. He's got a team that really looks at it, and he gets in that portal and tries to pick the best guys that would come in and mesh with the guys that he already has in that core. So, but he he also did say that his first priority is he's going to look within first, and like Boykins and and Ruda, and then if he needs to, he would look outside. So. That, that's good that he's looking within because that's just showing that you're giving kudos to the guys that have grinded with you all season in one of the most difficult seasons ever with, you know, COVID and everything. So I see one of the guys getting promoted from within and they bring somebody that is really good in recruiting in the high school level and, and adding them to the staff. I didn't even think about Boykins. Completely forgot about him. Uh, he's also another uh, one of Coach Muss's connects from the NBA. I believe is he, what is, is he the director of player development? What Scotty Thurman used to be, I think that's his title. Is director of player I development? I can't remember that, that title. But, but, either, but either way, I, I definitely think that you got to still. You got really lucky last year. Not saying he doesn't have connections all across. Muss probably has connections all across the world, just with all the places that he's been. But David Patrick, you just don't see very often. A guy, again, that has his record on the, his track record on the recruiting trail. And then what he did at UC Riverside. UC Riverside is honestly, it's, it's essentially a joke. It, there's mo, most high school stadiums are better than what they have. It's just very, very tough to win there. And he did win. He was just a little over 500, nothing overall record, and did uh, some great things. I think he actually just applied for and interviewed for the UTEP job. Um, did not get it, so I guess that's a good thing for us. It seems like he probably will be staying. I actually thought that we would probably keep our entire coaching staff intact, but it didn't quite work out that well, way. And so you're gonna you're gonna see it as you know them poaching, but you want in, in a sense you want that just sure. like when people were coming with uh, Odom and Browns, you you want that problem because sure. that means your team's doing good. Yeah, definitely. I, that's a great point. It's if they're not coming after your coaches and that, yeah, there's something wrong. And like you said, with our football team, we went three and seven, and you've still got Kendall Bryles going across the screen for possible. And then, you know, this is also too, you got to take it with a grain of salt. They could have 25 to 50 candidates, but still, Barry Odom was a legit candidate for Texas, a couple of others. I know Kendall Bryles is really just mainly thrown around there, but, but yeah, nonetheless, we wish Coach Williams nothing but the best. And, Appreciate uh, what he was able to do here, especially bringing in that top five class. You know, did so much, and and I know he'll do some great things at Tech. And so, moving over to spring practice, spring game this Saturday, two p.m. Central Standard Time on SEC Network Plus. You can stream that. And Porter, I'm just going to tell you straight up what I'm looking for this weekend. Since we're going to see maybe 10, 15 percent of the offense, whatever it may be, we're going to see a lot of scripted plays from the defense. I just want to see these one-on-one matchups. I want to see Ricky Stromberg just fire off the ball as we've seen him do before and drive whoever he is going up against, whether it's – I'm just going to throw out names, whether it's Eric Gregory, Manti Soli. Now, he's probably, he's probably going to be going up against defensive tackles since he's a guard, but I'm just making an, an example here. I want to see this offensive line just get nasty like we used to see when Sam Pittman was here the first time, like we saw under Mike Markison, who was the offensive line coach for Houston Nutt. I want to see that again because the thing about it is we got all these skill players. That's great. But if they do not get tougher, and I think that they will in their second season, they weren't completely atrocious last year, but still nowhere near where they need to be. And I want to see what these guys can do up front on the offensive line and also defense. I'm I'm looking for those one-on-one matchups. Yeah, Coach Pittman was on Ruskin's act show today, and he mentioned that. You know, he wants to see if he can get pressure with a four-man front, and he wants to see how his offensive line blocks on a four-man front. You know, you you got a quarterback in K.J. Jefferson. He's not as seasoned as Felipe Franks from last year. So, But he also did say that with the progression and the playbook and, and Arkansas style, 
he is further ahead than what Frank's was. And I had a lot to do with COVID and really being able to get into spring practice. So you've you got a lot of matchups. We want to see what Knox can do, you know, with, when him coming out of his shell and really owning up what they can do, try to find that, the three, four receiver. And then, of course, this running back. They they really need to show more of a balanced attack with multiple running backs. You know, had games where you were just relying on one running back, then when he would get subbed out of the game, you're forced to pass a lot more when – and the quarterback was wanting to hold on to the ball and, and Franks was forced to run a lot more than he wanted to. So it's going to be an interesting uh, – Pittman said they're probably going to run 50 plays each – Keep it right at two hours because it will be televised. So yeah, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to get the crowd in there. I'd love to see 20,000 in there and, and, and support the football team. And especially with the way sports is going, the baseball team, softball team, and the excitement of finally being able to get back in that football stadium, I could easily see them getting 20,000 in there. I wouldn't be shocked, especially if the rain holds off. I know that I haven't checked the weather for Fayetteville, but I know like around southwest Arkansas where I am, it's going to be kind of mostly cloudy, but there's chances of some rain. If it stays nice up there, I know Cabo is going to be up there and uh, checking out the spring game and the baseball and all that good stuff. And so I I wouldn't be shocked if if there maybe I I don't know if it's going to be quite that many. Maybe you're right. But then again, nice weather. Now that people are actually, like you said, being able to go into the stadium, you never know. And so, but but yeah, I, I'm with you though. The, the receivers, I just keep looking on on paper. The receivers, even the running backs, though we're young, you got to think that there is. May we know what Traylon Burks can do. We know what Mike Woods can do. Trey Knox, we've seen flashes. We've talked about that. And again, I just can't say enough about how much I respect that kid. I hope that other players maybe that are struggling about their situations, about whether they want to stay in school, whether they want to leave school, maybe reach out to him. Hopefully he is a pioneer for the way that college football is becoming and understanding that, look, some situations uh, do require you or it may be better fit for you to transfer, but his situation, he stuck it out. And, uh, again, I just wanted to to acknowledge that because uh, you just can't say enough about that, especially in today's world. But you look at this re- – this receivers, the receiving core from top to bottom, and then you still got guys you haven't even seen, like Darren Turner. That's the first name that comes to mind, and uh, Jaqueline Crawford. Just from top to bottom, on paper, you got to think if if our offensive line and and then these tight ends come along. Blake Kern really came along last year. You got to think that Hudson Henry's going to keep improving. So long as as long as the offensive line is at least average, which of course you want them to be more than that, you've got to think that with the skill players we have, we can get some things done. Yeah, and then on the defensive side, the third down stops. That, that was a huge, huge blow to the team last year and just how many third down conversions they allowed. And the secondary, that was another point that Pittman made, was he wants to see if this secondary is as good as he thinks they are. And that's a positive sign. You know, if he thinks they're really good and he wants to really see how they act on the field, that gets you really excited on having a having a top, you know, secondary in the in the SEC. So, yeah, like I said, it's going to be an interesting day. You you can't take a lot out of it because they are going to be running 10, 15 percent of their their um, game plan. But another thing is, you want to see how much bigger this offensive line, how much conditioned he he doesn't want a lot of guys getting down on the ground and and taking forever to get up. This is a high tempo, especially in Browse's offense. You want to be get up and ready to go and wear the defensive out. Yeah, and that's one thing, too, that we've got to have. Man, we've preached that, that we just did not have the kind of pressure that we needed. It looked like in the first couple of games that you might be able to to get to the quarterback, that we had a few guys that might get there. And then, of course, Dorian Gerald was really had a lingering injury, and Julius Coates had a bunch of things that were going on with him solely – Still had the club on his hand. Some I'm trying to decide, like you know, like I can't figure out what's going on with his hand. Like if it's just permanently messed up because he half of his over half of his career he's played with a club on his hand and still been fairly effective. I, I don't know that he actually has a sack up to this point, but but then Enoch Jackson, guys like that, um, uh, Marcus Miller, um, Torian Carter, some of those guys that were 
really solid standouts from the 2019 class that are still with us. I know Colin Clay ended up moving on to Oklahoma State, but there's a lot of guys that are really unproven, and you lose that that one anchor that you had that really got a lot done for you on the defensive line. Now, we did see a lot of good stuff from Zach Williams, from Eric Gregory. We really feel good about what we have in those guys. That's another position group. It's kind of like last year we were going into it and we were looking at the amount of talent that we had in the secondary on paper. Were they going to produce? And those were the guys that really – think about what they could do with the pass rush. Think about what Greg Brooks and Jalen Catalan and Monteric Brown, all these guys, that what they could do if they have a pass rush. It really reminds you of possibly some things that we saw from 2014. I don't, I'm not saying we're going to have a linebacker like Martrell Spate or a defensive tackle like Darius Phylon, or a defensive end like Trey Flowers. But you get pressure on that quarterback, those secondary guys are going to have a absolute field day more often than not. And if you have another guy, like another Catalan, that really just shot up and, and shown that he was an All-American type player in the SEC, you see what this team was before you know Browse, Odom, and Pittman got here and seen what the team was. And for someone to Catalan on a – team that just was three and seven now they're getting notoriety and their defense and they're respecting someone like Catalan so if you could just get one more dog like that on the defensive side where maybe one of your linebackers pull steps up to where and Morgan where you're really having to key on now your first second level and your third level of the defense you know that's gonna be a huge plus because that evens the field out yeah, and you can't just rely on like we it's, we're blessed to have Grant Morgan and Bumper pull back. But as we saw last year, that that really had some wear and tear on them. The amount that they had to play. So we need these guys like Keelan Burrell or one of these guys maybe from the 2020 class. I know Zach Zymos, Zemos, how you pronounce his name. He moved back to secondary. You're gonna play safety, but we we've got to have some. St- it just seems like it's been ages since we had linebackers stepped up to the point that we could rely on them in the two deep. We just haven't had that in years and years and years. And a lot of that I still blame on Bielema because he did not balance it out. This is back, you know, 2014, 2015. I understand it's been a while since then, but the way that he recruited or lack thereof in some ways just did not balance out the classes. And it's just really hurt them because they've had to fill other areas. And yeah, it's just, and again, I know I'm blaming a guy from years and years ago, but I still hold that against him with the way that he just did not pay attention to linebackers. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. We're in, we're two. Well, and, and to the common fan, though, they don't realize how just how far you can set back a football program, in, especially mm-hmm. in the SEC, by one bad coaching hire. Now we've been in three. You know, Bielema fell off, then you had John L. Smith, and then you had Chad Morse. So, yeah. Yeah, well, triple Chad, whammy. Chad didn't. The, well, that also too. I, I'll tell you what. You got to take a little bit of the pressure off of Bielema because it's great. And I still give Chad grief about this. It, it, well, there's a lot of things we give him grief about. But as great as he was as a recruiter, that 2019 class that has really got a lot of guys that have already panned out, and some have not even played yet. Some have hardly contributed. But they missed on a a multitude of line. There was three different linebackers that we had a really good chance at. We didn't sign one of them. It was Chris Russell, Lakia Henry. I can't remember the third one. Uh, Chris Russell went to A and M. Lakia, of course, went to Ole Miss in that shady deal. And there was one other one. I can't remember who the the third guy was. But but yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of stuff. And then you know we're not going to see many special teams. I'm sure we'll see some field goals and stuff like that. But but yeah, special teams too. That's <laughs> the Scott. I, I really do think that Scott Fountain. Is I'm not gonna going to look and judge on what he did last year on his overall resume as a coach. If you're a salesman and 11 out of the 12 years or 11 out of the 12 months of the year, you do great. You exceed your numbers. You're doing amazing. By December, you completely fall on your face. Yeah, it's gonna suck because you finish off the year in a bad way. But you're gonna have bad times. That's essentially what happened with with Scott Fountain. Is he? Yeah. He, there was really no excuse for how bad they were not lining up. I'm not necessarily sure how much I blame the overall production just be on, on him or the team just because we had a bunch of walk-ons playing special teams, but that's got to be better, no question. But starting at 1 p.m. Central Times, about an hour before the spring game, uh, you can catch Ty Richardson, Derek Ruskin on all ESPN Arkansas stations, 96.3 in Hot Springs in Central Arkansas, 95.3 Fort Smith River Valley, 104.3 Harrison Mountain Home and 
0.5 NWA for pregame football coverage, and they'll also get you set for game two of the baseball series with AM. Plus, Razorback play-by-play Phil Elson will be providing some live updates. And again, uh, Derek and Ty will be live from the Sassies located at 1290 Steamboat Drive in Fayetteville. So you can catch them. And you can also catch yours truly. I should be on a radio segment with them between 115, 120 on Saturday, right before the game. So I'll be sliding on with them to talk a little bit of spring football on behalf of my guys at the Hog Talk. So excited to do that and talk with them, get get amped up for the spring game. But uh, but great. Porter, it's it's awesome, man. You know, the start to the 2021 season, got a little baseball. It's uh it's always nice to to get to experience these weekends where you've got multiple activities going on. It's funny that you say that because it's almost like the year's been in reverse. It's, you know, football usually kicks everything off at the success of the year, but it's like this is the icing on the cake because you have the basketball success, softball success, and then you've seen what the baseball team's doing, and now we need the the football team to bring up the rear. And I think that's just going to set the tone for the next year because we know every other sports, you know, locked down and their success is there. Yep, and that paid off. Uh, it's, it's a great way to transition into uh, kind of the final deal here that we're going to talk about. That paid off for uh, two of our lady backs in basketball as they were selected in the WNBA draft Thursday night. Chelsea Dungy going number five overall to the Dallas Wings and Destiny Slocum going 14th overall to the Las Vegas Aces. And, and Porter, these are number five and six of Coach Neighbors' players being drafted when you include Washington and Arkansas. He was there with Bowen, his baby son, and Chelsea's mom, and then also Moses Moody was there uh, in attendance when Chelsea got picked fifth overall. And, uh, and of course, Destiny. That drew a lot of attention, didn't it? That's gotten a lot of attention. You know, I think that's going to spark some rumors. We might see some stuff on uh, on ET tomorrow night talking about uh, this new power couple. That And can you imagine, just 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 uh, generally speaking here, if, if, you know, if they end up together and they have children, can you imagine how much those kids are going to be able to jump out of a gym and dunk all over the place and <laughs> – could you no. imagine here in a couple of months if the Dallas Mavericks uh, draft Moses Moody? Oh. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of there's a lot of nice places to live in Dallas, so they will be well off. I mean, I, I love Dallas. I actually, when I moved to San Antonio, I actually almost moved there, and I'm only I, that was between Dallas and San Antonio, and uh, I ended up going a little further south. But I'm only three hours from Dallas now, so I, I'm very happy about that pick. I was hope I always like it when Razorbacks go to a, a Memphis team if they have one or a. Uh, which of course you got that in the NBA and all that, but does Memphis have a does WNBA have a Memphis? Grizzlies. They well they got the, the they got the NBA, but do they they have a that's, that's the only uh, pro team they got. Okay, see, I, I couldn't remember if they had a WNBA team or not. I knew they had the Grizzlies, no. but okay, cool. Well, yeah, it's uh, hey man, you got you got Memphis two hours away. So uh, of course, when Mike Conley played for them, or I guess. Is, Mike Conley's not with them anymore. I don't, I don't even watch the NBA that much, so unless for uh, Razorback last players. Year, but, last year, I think. Yeah, but I, I actually saw a couple of games with him, even though he wasn't a uh, Razorback. His father was, as everybody knows, a, a gold medalist, track athlete, and All-American uh, for the Razorbacks. But big congrats to, uh, to Chelsea and Destiny. And yes. I know you, you know you covering Chelsea for as long as you have over the last two, three years and watching her growth – and especially what she did, she was she was good last year, but she was just phenomenal this year. And uh, even in 2018 and 19, uh, she was really good too. And so, uh, just a great career. Didn't even start at Fayetteville, but uh, just definitely left her mark as probably the greatest women's player to ever come through the program. And then Destiny in her one year transferring from Oregon State, uh, that's great. You know, to get her and the 14th, the 14th pick. That's just right outside of the first round, didn't it? Second, second so, pick, so uh, second pick in the second round. Yeah, so uh, that's great stuff. Great stuff from the girls. Two of the two of the five Razorback starters get drafted, and then, and last but not least, softball series this weekend at number twenty Georgia, and then they play UCA again. They already played UCA in a matchup uh, about a month and a half ago or so, and then they played them again in a midweek game next week. So I think that will do it for segment one. Porter, that was a lot more loaded than I was expecting it to be. Just, oh, uh, we had a lot of pockets. Yeah, it was a busy night. You know, yeah. covering the NBA draft. And, and one final thing, we got time. You know, just with, with Chelsea and 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 Destiny. You know, we want to thank them because they've laid the foundation for what's to come with the Razorback Nation and getting kids that went away from Arkansas now to come back with Sasha. 
you know, you're going to get more transfer. You know, we're talking about the transfer portal with Eric. You know, Neighbors is doing the same daggum thing with the transfer portal and getting Sasha Goforth to come here. And I think next year's team is just going to be as exciting. But we're very proud of Chelsea going to Dallas and, and Destiny going to Las Vegas. It was it was a pleasure to get to cover them the past two years, and I can't wait to cover them again next year. Yeah, and I was actually on some uh, some Zoom uh, post game press conferences that you weren't able to sit in on that I that I took over for you. I actually got to talk to Destiny at one and Chelsea at one, and uh, just. Uh, Two very class act girls that, that represented this program very well, and definitely know that you'll uh, represent it moving forward. And so, uh, yeah, it's just it was an honor to to cover them, and and definitely know that they'll have long success in the pros. And so, we are up against a break. When we return, uh, we are going to talk with the baseball guru himself, Kevin Bohannon. So don't touch that dial. You are listening to the Hog Talk podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line podcast network. Stop by Sassy's Barbecue on Steamboat Drive off Weddington to listen to Hog Reaction following the spring game with Derek Ruskin and Ty Richardson. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479 479- Three six eight six four nine zero. The Hawk Talk podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-347. 9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode 184 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland here with you. And we now go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline where Coach Cabo is on the other end, the baseball guru. Cabo, what is going on? Man, it's a good weekend for baseball. If we can keep the rain away, Kyle. Uh, got a little football on the hill this weekend, too. So it should be a lot of athletic events for Razorback fans to attend. Get some football in the morning and hog diamond ball in the afternoon. Yep, got a big weekend again, just like we had last weekend. Except this time, instead of a big softball and baseball matchup, you've got the spring game that will essentially be the opening to the 2021 season. And even though we don't see a lot, like we talked about on Monday's show, we're not going to see a lot of the offense or anything, but this is going to be a, a great chance for some one-on-one matchups, which we talked about that in the previous segment, just kind of to see where some guys are at, see who is going to really be able to at least get a glimpse of who is going to really contribute for you. But real quick, before we get into some baseball, Cabo, what are some things you're going to be looking, maybe one or two things that you're really going to be looking for in the spring game? Quarterback efficiency and who is our second running back going to be? And I know being an offensive mind for a few years as a football coach, that's just where my mind goes right now. I, I'll, I'll see the defense, but I want to see the quarterbacks being efficient, especially KJ Jefferson, and then who is going to be the complement to Traylon Smith. Yeah, that's going to be the big one. That's something Sam Pittman has talked about is who is going to be that second and third running back. Last year, they really thought a lot of Josh Oglesby, who is a walk-on, a absolute burner. I believe he's actually been clocked at around a 4-3 or really low 4-4s. And so what's he going to do? What are these freshmen that are coming in going to do? And so there's a lot of questions to be answered, but you got to really like uh, where they're at and, and who they brought in. You just got to really make it happen. And so we get into baseball, and so uh, Arkansas – what is the word? They crushed and destroyed, annihilated Arkansas Pine Bluff 12 to 4 on Tuesday. And here's the astounding one 26 to 1 on Wednesday. What's the record, Kevin, that we've ever scored? Isn't it like 32 or something that we've scored? In yeah, game? We've, we've been in the 30s. We hit nine home runs against Grambling in 2010. But it's, it was, I'm glad the coaches agreed on a run rule after seven innings last night, or in that case, six and a half, eight home runs. Two by Matt Goodhart, Cullen Smith, Charlie Welch, 
it was a show. Brady Slavens was the, the fourth one. So yeah, I talked to Coach Nate Thompson this afternoon and said, Coach, you guys look like you're swinging it well. And he said, yeah. He said, we got a lot of upside. We're, uh, we're really hot right now. So it was a good confidence booster, no doubt. You got to think that these SWAC teams are probably going to stay away from Fayetteville with what happened to to grambling what happened to UAPB yeah it was cool and everything a little in-state matchup and all that but it is very clear that they had zero business being on the same field as the Razorbacks you know that kind of butt kicking had to destroy what little morale they had but despite the thrashing the Hogs gave them you know I gotta say Kevin I I think that, that that all Razorback fans can agree that at least the Razorbacks they still have a good heart yeah no no doubt uh, it was a moral win somehow. Um, yeah, Casey Higgins is really good in left field, really good athlete. Joel Barker, the the kid from Russellville that started against in the first game, which I only think there should be one of these games a week. You can't ask UAPB to play 18 innings against the number one team in the nation. We we hit a pitcher last night, Nate Wogamuth. God bless his heart, was a two-way player in high school and summer ball. But yeah, he, he, he got plunked last night. So Eston Toll was running bases. It was Mad chaos up there in Fayetteville. Yeah, what was it? Six home run or eight home runs total, and eight home runs. Yeah, yeah, six scored in the. Uh, that's just insane, man. I don't care. I don't care if you're playing a pee wee team. That is still just to okay. Maybe a pee wee team, you should be able to do that. But nonetheless, I know that again, these guys really didn't belong on the same field as the Razorbacks. Just the talent level was clearly uh, and UAPB has not really ever been a historically good program. I know that they're they're struggling pretty bad, but. No, and I mean, I've had my opinions about the whole Arkansas State thing, and I'm not going to open up that can of worms, but I like how we've had these in-state competitions with UCA and UAPB, and I know Dave Van Horn has been subtly vocal about it, about how Jeff Long, he kind of beats around the bush. I know you've heard it in press conferences how Jeff Long would never really allow that. He did want the in-state competition, and it especially worked out in a COVID year, um, as you would expect, and so... Uh, well, that's that's basically what happened over uh, the the week, Kevin. We got uh, we got Texas A and M this weekend. Not really what you would have expected out of a Texas A and M team. What we've seen in the past, I know they lost two big arms in the draft last year. They're twenty and fifteen, three and nine in the SEC, three and six on the road. They've only won one SEC series against UGA. They won that uh, the two to one that series in late March and. They're, they they do struggle at the at the on the mound some, but they are tied for tenth in the country for home runs, and then of course they're third in the country at getting on base via walk. Arkansas ranks second, and then of course Arkansas is first in the nation in home runs, and so that's one area that Arkansas. Yes, we're the Sueyville Sluggers this year. You get that title back with what they've been able to do, but we've had some suspect pitching, and uh, this weekend you, you've got. Uh, You've got Palette back on on the Saturday spot. Of course, Lockhart staying there at the Sunday spot in Wickland or Friday. But these guys are definitely no slouches from the plate. Yeah, Will Frizzell, 365 on the year, 11 home runs in 34 games. Uh, that's just about the same amount, the, excuse me, 35 games. They're, they're 20 and 15. And then you got Ray Alejo. He's hitting 340 on the year, uh, solid up the middle. Uh, Austin boasts 333 20 in 29 games. But, yeah, if we can get Will Frizzell out, he started all every game for him, all 35. Uh, but like you said, the pitching, it's it's okay. I mean, not going to blow you away. Dustin Sands is going to be the Friday night guy. Lefty, he's got a little over 3.00 ERA, 5-3 and three on the year. Then you got Bryce Miller. Uh, they're not really – I'm not really concerned about the series. But I, w- I would have said that in front of Auburn, too. So that still kind of opens your eyes. Lost two to one, come back, come back. That could have been 3 0 easily for Auburn. So can never take anybody lightly, it, especially coming off such an emotional weekend in Oxford, Mississippi last weekend. It was just emotional and draining. Yeah, to play that many, what was it, 27 innings and in, in, in a little over 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. that's just crazy. And, and it's definitely gotten warmer. It's not quite the summer temperatures yet. But either way, like you said, I mean, whether you're a 22-year-old kid, 18, it's still wear and tear on your body. That is a, a big grind. And like you said, the emotions of it too. An 18-14 to 14 game. And the night before, what was it, 13-7, to 13-6. So there was a lot going yeah. on there. And so – 
I definitely say, man, that you know you got to hand it to these guys. They could have easily had a letdown and maybe dropped one of these games against UAPB because of the emotions from the Sunday game. You're just a couple of days removed from that, and then you got to turn right back around and play in the ever-rugged SEC this weekend. And so, Kevin, I, I wanted to ask you a question, though. So, Logan Sartori, he was a JUCO guy that did really well during the shortened season last year, was batting three sixty four before it got shut down, and he was playing third base for him. I was looking at his stats, and I noticed that he really hasn't done a whole lot. Has he? Been, I couldn't find an answer to this. Has he been injured, or what's? Uh, do you know what what the status is with him? I wondered the same thing. I compare it to the Connor Nolan saga. You know, yeah. the kid yeah. had a, had a great year last year, and then really hadn't been around, and nobody confirmed that Connor was hurt until recently. So, I think it's just speculation at this point. Yeah, because I was looking through here, and I saw what he was able to do in the 16, 17 games that they played, and he's only batting like 156 this year and only started yeah. around eight games. So didn't really make a, a whole lot of sense there. And then so my first instinct was I didn't think about – that's a great example right there, Connor Nolan, somebody that was not just a contributor on the weekend, not just a starter, but he was your Friday guy and then has dealt with some injuries and just really hasn't been up to par there. And so – and you talked about Will Frizzell – uh, that's the guy that just it starts everything there, batting over 300. I think they've got about three or four guys that bat over three, three. regulars. Yeah, yeah, three regulars yep. there. And so, you know, uh, who are some of the other ones that uh, I know you named some names just a second ago, but maybe one or two other ones to look out for? Yeah, definitely. Logan Britt's got five home runs on the year, hitting 280. Ty Coleman, four home runs, 262. So it, it's a lot like Arkansas. Just, woo. <laughs> We got a little inflated average after last night, but we were hitting 278 on Monday before the week started. A&M's hitting 269, so they don't score a lot of runs, but they're really efficient when they do. They, they stay around that 6-7 run game, and they've been able to blow up a, a couple of times, but it's, you know, you look at this Arkansas offense. I saw the stat earlier that Phil Elson made. Texas, uh, Mississippi State has allowed Six runs or more in eight of 32 ball games. Three of those are to the Razorbacks. Ole Miss, it was 12 out of however many games they've played. Three of those were to the Razorbacks. So, if we keep scoring, that you keep winning, man. It's, it's, it's really fun to watch these guys play right now. Even from the first home run last night, you got 450 feet off the bat over the building in right field. So, it, I don't anticipate a real slow fest, but I think we will see some fatigue from last weekend starting out. And what is your take on some of these newer guys like Leach, White, that we've been seeing, Bates, that we've seen some on? A few of them have played on the weekends, but mostly during the week. What is your take on some of them, some of the uh, the early games that they've been getting in? Yeah, and it starts with Charlie Welch. He's got 10, hit, 10 or 11 hits on the year, and five of them are home runs. His slugging percentage is 900, and that's out of 30 at-bats. So it's one home run every six at-bats. I think he's proved to be a valuable option as a right-handed hitter against a tough lefty that may be tough on Matt Goodhart, and that's saying a lot considering the year Goodhart's having. But Zach White, really athletic, hasn't – he's been injured on and off through his high school career, but it's good to see him back. He, Coach Van Horn, he loves his upside, super athletic. And then Ethan Bates, I think if he keep, if he gets more reps in-game, he's just going to get better. You saw it this past weekend. He, got, he had a little confidence after two starts. So it just shows you how deep this, this lineup is and the program is as a whole on the offensive side of the ball because we forget Zach Gregory was the starter going into Ole Miss. He got hurt. Now, Braden Webb had a good end of the series, hit a home run on Sunday. Then you got guys like White and Bates there too, so the outfield is in really good hands in the future. So it's looking like you're probably not going to see a lot of what we saw from Patrick Wicklander and his start against Ole Miss. Just That was one of the first SEC games that he had really just didn't do well in. And so Dave Van Horn, it's very clear, as we've said before, that it seems like that he really, really wants Wicklander to be in that Friday spot. And then Lockhart has continued to be at the Sunday spot. That Saturday has just alternated. And, you know, you've had Zeb Vermillion and then Peyton Paulette kind of reversing back from Friday to Saturday. Well, Peyton gets that chance again, as I would mentioned, on Saturday. He's been a little bit. He's been great, and then he's been not great at all. And then he's had a couple, you know, in the middles there. It's just kind of been a roller coaster. Do you think that maybe his head right might finally be back there and he can really get it going again? I do. And his bullpens and his – when he come in in relief, it, he just had to reset his mind because Alabama it really kind of got to him. And people forget Peyton is a young 2019 grad. 
him and Caden Wallace are only two months apart, even though they're separated by one year, 2020 and 2021 class or 2019 class. So I think Peyton's growing up still. He didn't get to pitch, but a few times last year. So this is really his freshman campaign. Patrick Wicklander, it was the first time he really got roughed up in SEC play, like you said, against Ole Miss, but he's been really consistent so far. Been able to go five, six innings, keep his pitch count down. He hasn't walked a whole lot of guys, Kyle, and that's the reason he's been effective and he's been back in the good graces of Matt Hobbs and DVH. And then Lockhart, had he went two and a third inning. We knew it was going to kind of be a roller coaster game. You could kind of see it on Coach Hobbs and Coach Van Horn's face for Sunday. So I think if we can just – get consistent, just keep getting better every time out. Looks like we might have some guys providing some quality depth because we cannot tax our bullpen right now. They won't be worth it in June when it counts. And I want to talk about Jackson Wiggins now. He started off as good as you could start off a career, has faced some adversity since then, and he faced a lot of adversity on Sunday when he came in against Ole Miss. And I had asked you the question at the time when he was dominating and just could not hardly even be hit. It was just strikeout after strikeout. Once he does face adversity, do you think it's going to rattle him? And you had said that it, that you didn't think it would just from the times that you had had coaching him. What do you think about this right now? Have you talked with him, kind of where his head is at? Is this something that he knows is not going to last? Yeah, I, I told him after Sunday's rough outing, I said, look, it took you to your 10th collegiate baseball start to have a rough outing. Everybody in that dugout and on that pitching staff would trade spots with you right now. But you you know you probably face the best fastball-hitting team in America, and you knew that from scouting reports because you got guys you played with in the summer down there. So, yeah, I I think he's all right. You you saw the stuff. What was really critical on Sunday, though, he gives up the the three-run bomb. He strikes out Hayden Dunhurst, who was seven seven for ten the first two games. And registered 98-98 on the last two pitches. So, I think he'll bounce back just fine. And I also want to talk about Kevin Copps. You had talked about how we can't just continue to wear out our bullpen like we've had to do in some games. And it seems like we've had to rely on him quite a bit. And for the most part, he has really come through. We talked about that first game that he just really struggled. He weren't really sure what Kevin Copps you were going to get. And pretty much ever since then, he's been exactly what you wanted and more. Is he really becoming or has he already become – that guy that we could really can continue to rely on late, like we were able to do with uh, Matt Cronin. Uh, exactly. And that's the perfect example we knew. And from a baseball guy, y'all may get tired of me talking about counting outs, but that's from a coach's standpoint, how these guys are thinking, can I get, can I get, do I have enough to get to the six outs or five outs where I can bring in my dominant guy like Kevin Copps? Because you saw Oregon state, Second game, he had been a little taxed. They tried to stretch him for six outs, and it's just so tough to pitch at that intensity. But Kevin, he's, he's a mature veteran, 24 years old. He's He's been around for everything. He's went through Tommy John surgery. So nothing can, can really – it looks like it phases him out there. And they were talking on the broadcast last night. Troy Eklund said you put him and Brady Slavens in a room, probably nobody would talk for four hours. He's, he leads by example. He's a three-year captain. So it, it's – that's been the best surprise so far as him having this type of dominant year. Outside of injuries or just a total letdown, which you definitely don't expect a total letdown, um, you know, if anything, Dave Van Horn has proven through his career as he figures it out, if they're having a down year, as we always go back to the 2015 season. But other than, you know, a major injury, Lord forbid, or two, it just seems like this team, there's uh-huh. nothing that's going to really keep them out of Omaha except possibly wearing down your pitchers. Is there any other thing that you can think of? And I'm not trying to get too far ahead, but here we are just a little over halfway through the season, and you look where we stand, the number one team unanimously in the country, and it just seems like really the weakness that they have that really concerns you is can the pitching hold up for the entire season? Yeah, and because you're not going to be able to outslug everybody. Baseball has changed in favor of the offensive player the last couple of years to where you're not seeing many 4-2, 3-1 games, you know, Vanderbilt showed that they were human last week, 14 to two and nine to three. Georgia beats them. The only team that Texas A&M has beaten in a series took down the almighty Vanderbilt last weekend. So you can show a little hole, some holes right now. I think the depth is going to help, but like I said, we can't keep relying. If they're two quick innings, sure. Bring him back for another inning, but he went three innings and two innings 
for three innings and three innings in back-to-back days, and he can't do that all season. So are you going to be going up to Fayetteville for all the festivities this weekend? I am, actually. Yeah. I'm headed up Saturday morning. Uh, my wife got tickets the other day for the spring game, so get to go watch the Hogs on the turf and then uh, head over to Bomb Walker and hopefully see a uh, – a series win on Saturday. And cause I'm thinking about it is like, you know, I got a, a radio seg with Ty on, uh, which we'll talk, we talked about in the previous segment, um, what, with what ESPN Arkansas is going to be doing with Ty and Ruskin. And I've got a quick radio segment with them. And I wish that I could go right afterwards to the spring game and spend the rest of the time doing what I, one of my favorite things is doing multiple games. And I've done that a couple of times. I did it with basketball and baseball a few years, about five, six years back. I've only, I did it twice, I guess, in my life. And that is just, uh, man, I'm telling you, on a really nice sunny day in Fayetteville in the spring especially and hit up two different games, it's, uh, it's a blast. So it'll be cool. I know it'll be a lot of fun for y'all, but it'll be nice to have uh, some boots on the ground there for a little bit of, uh, little bit of live coverage. That's right. It, it was, we tried to do it for the Auburn game, and it was so loud in there on the Saturday that we were there, and it was just – oh, man, it was just so loud. But, yeah, we'll uh, – Get up there and get some video that we can hopefully put out and get a little eyes on up there because, you know, nobody's been out there for practice yet. It would be what see what Coach Pittman's first spring game looks like. Yep, and uh, I mean, like you said, get that get a little football fix and then uh, watch the Razorbacks uh, whoop up on. So hopefully that night we'll be going for the series win and then possibly the sleep, sweep on Sunday for another SEC series win, which we still have yet to lose. And as I say that, I remembered – that I was talking earlier that the SWAC teams are probably going to try to stay off the baseballs off their schedule. And here's Grambling State. I completely forgot right after uh, Texas A&M in our midweek game. So looks like we That's get right. to thrash another SWAC team once again. So, well, Kevin, my man, always enjoy it. We will yes, uh, talk with you, I guess, on Monday show. Yep. Have a good weekend. Go Hogs. Yeah, so you too. And guys, thank you as always again for listening. Rate, subscribe, review. All that good stuff. Please help us get our name out there as you guys do so much for us. Appreciate all the support. We'll see you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.